the sports stance. Hey everyone, welcome to the Sports Dance. I am your host, Greg, and man, do we not have a lot going on in sports right now. It's one of the worst times of the year. It is a very dead week in sports. Basketball's got nothing. There's definitely not any hockey. Football's only going into second preseason, and baseball is kind of in that weird towards the end of the season, but not, so you can't count out everybody, but you kind of have an idea of the playoff picture that's developing. But, you know, we're still going to have plenty to talk about. We're going to talk about robots in college football and sign stealing in Little League World Series games. So don't worry. We also have, you know, to talk about in football, there isn't just one crazy person in Dallas. Apparently there's two. And besides that, some other good news for everybody, you know, starting next week at least, for at least a few weeks, you won't just have to hear my voice anymore. That is right, next week we will be doing our at least first of two NFL previews. We're going to do the NFC preview, going over division winners, dark horses, all that fun stuff. And then the following week we will be doing the AFC. And I'll be joined by Dan Dan, the football man, giving me his thoughts and opinions as well. So you won't just have to hear me rambling on like you will this week. Then also in September and hopefully from there on out, you remember my guest back on the july 4th show gonna be having his own little segment i'm gonna be calling it paul's pylon it's not just gonna be football related i know you think about football football pylon you know is he gonna be scoring no most likely he's gonna just be piling on facts because as you saw on july 4th he loves them so hopefully i'll have a few other different voices you know throughout the year i have some other guys lined up for potentially when hockey starts because that's right we're gonna cover some hockey it's not just spitting chicklets that does that. We'll be doing it too. It's not just some other world hockey report. Guys doing it on 12 Ounce Sports Radio. Make sure you check them out when hockey season rolls around especially. But, you know, trying to trying to get other voices, trying to get other people's stances heard. And if you want your stance heard, again, don't be afraid to tweet at me at sportsstance underscore on Twitter. Find us on Facebook, Instagram. I might even, I might, not sure yet. Might even just put out a phone line that you can call in, leave a voice message, and maybe it'll get played. We will see. I'm also going to do some fantasy football stuff, you know, especially being a multi-time champion of my fantasy leagues. Not to brag, you know, five out of the past nine years I've won championship. Just saying. So pretty good odds, pretty good stats in my favor. I kind of know how the whole fantasy football game works. Do pretty decent on DraftKings whenever I get a chance to. Uh, this year, I'm definitely going to be doing Thrive Fantasy. And if you don't know about Thrive Fantasy, you'll hear about it a little later on when I kick out the first ad. That's right. So, teaser? I don't know. Is it an ad a teaser? Maybe. Who knows? But definitely going to be checking out Thrive Fantasy this year as well. But, you know, let's just get started. Let's just jump right in. Enough of me rambling on about nothing and everything and get into baseball because guess what baseball is still the big thing right now football is in the second preseason week yeah there were some games last night there's some games today there's some games tomorrow but it's not enough to really talk about unless you know you're gonna be like hey 
Did you see that one series that Carson once played or that one pass that Kyler Murray made? Like, we're not going to be doing that. It's not, it's not what we do right now. Next week, football. Third preseason game especially, you're going to get some football talk. Mainly preview stuff, but maybe a little extra, you know, preseason talk. We'll see. But for right now, baseball. Baseball is where it's at. Baseball is what we see. And when you look at the different standings in baseball, it is clear to see a certain path is developing in both the American League and the National League. In the National League, it is clear the Dodgers will be the team that everybody needs to beat going into playoff season. Who they'll be facing? Not really sure. It's up for debate. You have plenty of teams that could pose issues. The Mets have, you know, jumped back into at least wild card contention. Are they going to win the wild card? Probably not. But, you know, they made a nice little fun run for a while. Got everybody excited. You have the Cardinals, Cubs, and Brewers all battling out in the Central. But really, there is one team right now and one team only that I look at and go, they might, might have a chance at beating the Dodgers in the playoff series, and that is the Atlanta Braves. They sit with the second-best record in the National League at 72-50. and They've, you know, been phenomenal since the All-Star break, especially. They have done really well, really picked it up. I know Scott over at Craft Boot Sports is probably thrilled to hear about that. Again, another show to check out on Just in General and on 12 on Sports Radio. Gotta love all the different plugs I put in here. You think I'm getting paid for this? No, they just give me some likes and retweets. I take it. I'm easy. I'm an easy guy to please. But the Braves are probably the only team that the Dodgers really at this point need to worry about when facing in the playoffs. Now, on the American League side of things, you definitely have two teams heading for a collision course in the ALCS. And as much as it hurts to say the Red Sox season is over because they're 17 and a half back in not just their division, but also in the wild card, they're seven and a half back. So not looking good. Granted, they're still fourth in the wild card. The AL wild card has definitely expanded of teams that really have a legit shot. It's really Cleveland, Tampa Bay, or Oakland. Whereas in the National League, you have the Nationals, the Cubs, Milwaukee, Philly, New York, Arizona, and San Francisco all within four and a half. So, you know, there's still some wiggle room there. It's like 35-plus games left for every team on the schedule as we get through August. So there is still hope and life for a lot of teams in the National League, not so much in the American League. But when you look at it, we all expect it to come down to the Yankees versus the Astros in the ALCS because those two teams have just dominated everybody else. The Yankees especially. I mean, the Yankees are now at 80 wins, mainly thanks to the Baltimore Orioles because they're just terrible. In 19 games this year, I think the Yankees won 17. I think they won 17-2 against Baltimore. It's just absurd. It's an absurd amount of wins against one team, a professional baseball team. The Cardinals have, not the Cardinals, so many bird teams in the MLB. The Orioles have only 39 wins this year. The Yankees have 17 against them alone. The Yankees almost have half as many wins against the Orioles themselves as the Orioles have wins in general. It's just sad. It's just, it's just sad. You, you hate to see it. 
The Red Sox thought they stole somebody from the Orioles that were gonna was helpful in Andrew Cashnell. Apparently, he was part of the problem. He has been god awful for the Red Sox. Like, just he's in the bullpen now. The Red Sox have this thing about taking their starters, putting them in the bullpen, hoping that helps somehow. And well, you see where it's gotten them this year. Offense is fantastic. Pitching is terrible. But I got off track. Yankees, Astros, that's where it's going to be at. And it's going to be interesting because the Yankees, their starting pitching is an issue. It shows burst here and there of something that can be good. They have Severino, who's probably going to come back and go through the into the bullpen because at this point, you're not going to get him stretched out to be a big, long starting pitching guy. He's going to be better served for you in the bullpen. Along with Patances, you just have – you're going to have a stocked bullpen. And clearly when it comes to playoff time, you can utilize that a lot better than you can in the regular season. There's more days off. You know, there's only a certain amount of games that you know you're going to have to play. And it's the end of the year. Just you're laying it out on the line. The issue is Houston has three aces in Grinke, Cole, and Verlander. Now, I know Cole got hamstring issues, but he got checked out. Doesn't seem to be too bad. That's good for them because, honestly, you're going to need all of them. It's just it's just a fact. If you're going against a Yankee offense that is a bunch of, as Aaron Boone said, savages. Savages aren't going to stay quiet for long, and you need the aces to keep them down as long as possible. That's just how it is. But Houston has a pretty good offense as well, and as long as they can get to the starting pitching, deal with all that, I mean... Right now, I'm leaning towards the Astros when it gets to that. We're not even in there. We're not even in the playoffs, and I'm already making my prediction of ALCS winners, and it's going to be the Astros. That's just gut feeling. They're going to go back to another World Series. It's probably going to be them Dodgers. Maybe Dodgers win, but I don't know. I just don't know, especially with that starting pitching staff in Houston. But that's what's going on at least in the standings and positioning because – it's, like I said, it's that time. We're almost at September call-ups. Honestly, the only disappointing thing is that the Mets are actually still somewhat competitive right now because if they weren't, don't you assume that they just at some point bring Tebow up to the majors just to sell tickets? I mean, he's, he's terrible in the minor leagues. He's horrible. But from a promotional standpoint, like you would have to think maybe they would consider it. But the fact that they're still in it, the fact that they're still competitive, kind of makes it hard to do. I wish it wasn't. I really don't. Because right now, in 239 at-bats, he is batting 163. Man, that is bad. That is that is just really bad. He's gotten 39 hits in 239 at-bats. The funny thing is, no, no, he's only got four home runs. I thought he had more home runs this year than that. But, yeah, he's just he's just really, really bad. He has struck out 98 times, so he's almost struck out. He struck out more than a third of his at-bats. I mean, like how he's in Syracuse, I have no idea. Not a clue. But he is. And if they weren't in it, they would bring him up. That's just how it is. But he won't be, and that's kind of disappointing. But besides that, the biggest news going on in Major League Baseball right now 
is Albert Pujols set the record for most hits by a foreign-born player. He passed a tie with Albert Pujols. I mean, Albert Pujols. He is Albert Pujols. Uh, (laughs) He broke a tie with Adrian Beltre with getting his 3,000th, 167th hit. It's 15th all-time. Very impressive. I mean, the man's nicknamed the machine for a reason. The only sad thing is the machine is clearly declining. I know Pujols has been in the league for 19 years, but you know what? I'm going to go off on this. Albert Pujols probably in the next year or so, I assume, is retiring. I, I cannot imagine he is sticking around much longer because when you look at it and his stats, it's kind of it's kind of depressing. Like He went from being a good 300 above average hitter from 2001 to 2011 to it has slowly declined and declined and declined to where it's at now, which is 242. I mean, he's old. He can't move as well. He can't He can't just do it as well as he used to. And that happens. It definitely happens. I mean, he's still putting up good RBI numbers, decent home run numbers. But I got to assume the machine's going to be calling it quits and hanging it up at least in the next year or two. I don't remember how long his contract's for, but it's just rough watching him. It's it's kind of sad at the same time because of just how good he was. All right, enough depressing news. Let's go on to some lighter news, I guess. Matt Harvey found a new home. Yes, that Matt Harvey, the one you're thinking of, the former Dark Knight, has joined the A's on a minor league deal. Now, the thing that always gets me when I look at Matt Harvey is the fact that he is only 30 years old. Like, doesn't it seem like he has been around for way too long. I mean, not lately. He's kind of disappeared. He signed with the Angels this year for $11 million and did not do well at all. He was 3-5 and five with a 7.09 ERA in 12 starts. He was clearly not the Dark Knight. He was more like Two-Face. He was good, and now he's not. So he had the good face in, the, in New York, and now he has a bad face no matter how, where else he goes. I mean... He's never been the same since his Tommy John surgery. It's kind of a shame to see. But, hey, who knows? Maybe new life, new beginnings in Oakland. Yes, it's a minor league deal, but sometimes that's what you got to do. There's been plenty of pitchers who have had great careers who spent a few years in the minors in between major good stints. Can't give you names. I think like Jamie Moyer like was not great for a period of time. Like Who knows? Uh, what's his face on the Dodgers? Rich Hill. Like, there's definitely guys that have their off years. So who knows? Maybe this is the start of something good, something new. But that's that's really all I got for you. We're going to move on now to the more interesting story involve, involving baseball, which is sign stealing in the Little League World Series. That is right. Little kids being unsportsmanlike unsportsmanlike is the word being used because there are players apparently seeing the signs coming in from a catcher and relaying it to their teammates who are in the batter's box how dare they how dare they try to gain a competitive advantage now i get it it's a team from barrington rhode island who punched their ticket to williamsport and then was immediately accused by the opposing team's coach of sign stealing and cheating They apparently had thought this was happening in the first time they played each other, 
And then they definitely said it happened the second time they played each other, and it happened all tournament. How were they not caught? The umpires were warned. Well, you know what? You know why it wouldn't have been an issue? If the other team had won. If the other team had just simply won, this coach never mentions this. But because he lost, he's accusing of sign stealing, which I get. Maybe not the most sportsmanlike thing. But here's the thing about sign stealing. It happens. Every level of baseball, there is sign stealing. Now, I get these are little kids. They're definitely being taught by the coaches what to do. But you know what? If you're going to be blatant with the sign stealing and just putting down the number two, being like throw the curveball and going inside, outside, up, down, like all of that, is it really sign stealing? Like if you were doing an elaborate like number, finger down, touching your shoulder, doing all these different things, the coat you're looking in the dugout, the coach is giving you signals, maybe then I'd say, okay, hey, maybe don't make it so obvious. But if you're putting down a one and you're just like tapping the inside of your leg, I don't even need the guy on second base to tell me what's coming. I can probably tell myself as the batter what you're doing. It's not that hard. I get this is frowned upon. I'm not saying, hey, go out and steal signs. Not what I'm saying. It is technically illegal in the Little League rules to do this. It is considered unsportsmanlike. You can get kicked out. You can do all these different things. The Little League World Series has already come out basically saying, hey, if we catch this team doing this, they will be banned. Which, if that's the case, now say this. Say the first game of the whole Little League World Series, they get caught. Are they kicking out the coach and the kid that did it? Because do you really take it out on the whole entire team? Because that just seems unreasonable. Plus, then you automatically have eliminated a team from the Little League World Series before you get to the portion where you really can start taking teams out of it. Because it's a round robin. Can't really do round robin with an odd number of teams. I mean, you can, but it makes it a lot weirder to do. So I don't know how they're going to handle this. The coach said, like, you know, uh, no, we didn't do this. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. So, of course, he's going to deny, deny, deny. But they, the team was clearly the better team overall. Because, honestly, you can tell me what's coming. I can expect a fastball, a curveball, because that's basically the only two pitches that a little kid knows how to throw, at least a 12-year-old. If he knows anything else, well, he's a prodigy. But I have a 50-50 chance of knowing what's coming at me anyway. Even if I know a fastball is coming or a curveball is coming, you know what I need to do? Hit it. You know what also needs to happen? Another guy needs to get on base before I get up there and be at second base to give me those signals. The second game, the team only won 2-1. to one. So it's not like it was a blowout or anything like that. It was a close game, so I get it makes it even more you know, angering that you think this team was cheating. But even if you know what's coming... Yeah, you might be able to, like, you know, if you know it's a curveball, sit on it. You have to wait a second, put a little hitch in your swing. But overall, you still got to put it in play. You still got to get a hit. You still got to make the plays. Your pitcher needs to still throw strikes. Your defense players still need to not make errors. A lot of other things happen. This is such a minor thing 
that's getting blown out of proportion. I get it's a you know it's a manager slash dad parent trying to protect his kids, trying to do th- do and stand up for what's right. I get all that, but it's baseball. Sign stealing is a part of it. You look at college football. You look at every other sport where signs are needed to give him plays to do all these different things. Look at college football. They have literal three guys standing with signs or giving out signals. One of them is a hot read. One's them fake. One's another thing. Like all these different things are going on because you know the other team's trying to get your signals. They're trying to figure out, oh, is it a run play? Is it a pass play? What are they doing lining up here? What are they doing there? What's the count? It's a part of the game. It's just what it is. Do I think it's right? Like I said, yes, I'm It's I'm conflicted because you want to have the kids play a fair game, but at the same time, they are basically playing a fair game. Little Johnny giving me telling me it's going to be a fastball low and inside doesn't mean anything to me. It means I have to maybe swing in, but guess what? It's also Little League Baseball. These kids are not that professional enough where they can still fully aim where they're throwing it. So think about that. You can know all these pitches. You can know all this stuff going on. The kid still needs to make the pitch. The batter still needs to make the swing. It's just, it's kind of like the steroid argument. I'm not going to get in that. Guys can take steroids. Sure, it might make them stronger, but they still need to physically perform the act of hitting a baseball and doing all these other things for it to even be considered potentially an issue or, you know, against rules and unsportsmanlike and all that different things. But I do think it's funny that it's making news. I think it's funny that you have places like me and ESPN Radio and all these other big sports and, you know, internet places talking about the Little League World Series and the fact that these kids might be stealing signs. It's just funny to me. Overall, my opinion is if you can steal signs and get away with it, honestly, go for it. My coach in Little League used to do some of the weirdest trick plays and moves and all this stuff. Why? Because we could. There was... Nothing against it. So, steal signs. Best play I ever remember doing was anytime there was a guy on third base and I got walked or a kid on our team got walked, our coach would say, you sprint down that first base line and round the bag and head towards second. Why? Because it's not against the rules and you're forcing the team to either give you second base freely, get you in a rundown, and get that guy from third base home. So, was it sportsmanlike? No, parents did not like that. They did not enjoy the fact that our team did this on a somewhat regular basis. But it's part of the game. You do what you can to win as long as you don't have to hurt anybody or do anything blatantly illegal. This is not, to me, blatantly illegal. I know they say it's against the rules and it's not sportsmanlike. It's unsportsmanlike. But come on, there are a bunch of kids in Little League. This isn't the pros. Even in the pros, they're sign stealing. The only thing they frown upon is if you're using like a camera to do it. So get over yourselves. If you were the better team, you would have won no matter what. You had two chances to beat this team. You didn't. So take your ball and literally go home.
That's all I got to say about that. That's all I have to say about that. All right. That seemed kind of harsh. All right. I didn't want it to sound so harsh. It was a little harsh. Sorry about that. It's time for our first break, though. So we're going to go to the ad. Like I said before, this is Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy, sponsor of Trovon Sports Radio. Appreciate that. Here's Thrive Fantasy. Check it out. Daily fantasy sports have taken the world by storm, and Thrive Fantasy has a whole new twist. Make prop picks on only the top players in each game, no more sifting through the 12th man of a basketball roster, then sit back and enjoy the action. 12-Ounce Sports and Thrive Fantasy have now partnered to offer our listeners free house money to play with. Just use the promo code 12OUNCESPORTS during your next deposit to receive the bonus. That's Thrive Fantasy and the promo code 12OUNCESPORTS. Now go win. Definitely make sure to check out Thrive Fantasy, especially with the NFL season coming up. It's going to be a great place to go on Sundays to get all your fantasy football needs because, come on, you can never have enough places to play fantasy football, make prop picks, do all these different things, and make a little extra cash. Because, you know, you got to wait till the end of the year for your fantasy football league to pay you out when you're crowned champ. That's what I got to do. So in the meantime, I got to make money other places, and that's why I'm going to go to Thrive Fantasy. Anyway, now some NFL stuff. I know. We're not doing previews. We're not doing any of that. We're still getting into some of the training camp stories. You know, frostbite feet, which still amazes me. But Antonio Brown, once again, made headlines for all the wrong reasons this week. Helmet issues. Like, there's no other way to lead into that. Helmet issues. Now, I get it. Antonio Brown had a helmet for 10 years that he was playing with. And the NFL recently banned that helmet and approved 32, I believe, other helmets to play with. 32. He had 32 other options. Apparently, none of them were good enough. He wanted his own helmet. He even went as far to paint the helmet Raiders colors. So this is all after the frostbite. This is all after all these other issues leading up to this week in football. Because, let's be honest, Antonio Brown has been no peach to deal with. He basically drove himself out of Pittsburgh. He showed up late to his Oakland Raiders presser. He now has frostbite on his feet because he didn't either follow procedure or wear proper footwear and all these other things and got frostbite on his feet, keeping him out of training camp and potentially the beginning of the season. And now we had this helmet issue. And the reason the helmet issue became such a big deal is because he literally said, I am going to protest this. I am going to go to arbitration. And if they do not give me what I want and allow me to play with this helmet, I am probably going to not play football. Yeah. Okay, Antonio. That was believable. Everybody totally believed that if you don't get the helmet that you want, you're going to walk away from $30 million guaranteed. You went from Pittsburgh where you had nothing guaranteed to you. No money. Nothing getting traded to Oakland where they gave you a nice new shiny deal with $30 million guaranteed. The issue, if you don't play for them, you don't get that money. So saying you were going to walk away because of a helmet seemed a bit ridiculous. Now we all made our jokes. We all made our laughs about how, you know, the Steelers and Ben and Juju and Mike Tomlin must be looking at this as giggling like the guys from Goodfellas. We all had those jokes. But there was a little part of all of us that was like, is he actually serious about this? 
also there was another part of us that was like, is Antonio Brown mentally stable? The answer to both of these is probably no. We knew he wasn't serious about this because he loves money too much. And he might be a little mentally unstable. Like, just a little bit. The guy just... Either he's not stable or he's just that much of a diva. Now, we've seen divas in football. We have seen the best of them in Terrell Owens and Michael Irvin. Like, Randy Moss even had a bit of diva in him. You have all these guys... I mean, it's the wide receiver position. They're known to be divas. OBJ's a diva. Like, the NFL is nothing without its diva wide receivers. They're what make the rumor mills go. They're what make it entertaining for all of us. Yes, there's running backs who can be kind of, you know, a bit diva-ish. There's really not many defensive players, as you could see. Defensive linemen, maybe. I feel like they're the ones that always have the, you know, holdouts and all these different issues. But it's really the wide receivers where you get your bread and butter of most diva. Now, I'm going to play a little game where you start benching cut. And it's going to be with the biggest diva wide receivers to ever play the game. And that includes Antonio Brown. So before I get into that, here's the intro of Start Bench Cut. Start Bench Cut. That intro, it needs a little work, but it'll get there. Don't you worry. But we are going to take a look at the three, in my opinion, biggest wide receiver divas in the NFL, in like its history. And there's a lot. We're going to cover, we're going to take guys from the 90s, the 2000s, and now. We're taking one from each. So the three options we are going with for our start bench cut are Michael, the playmaker, Irvin. Terrell Owens, and of course, Antonio Brown. Because you can't talk about wide receiver divas, especially now, without AB. So let's get into it. So start bench cut. How it works is basically start is who who's the biggest diva? Who's the guy? Who's the pick you're going with every week? You're benching second best. You know, he could push for that front spot. And then third, he's there. He's in the conversation. But let's be honest. He's never going to be the top guy. And that's just how it is. Start bench cut. You can do it with movies, music. We've done it before. I did it with my old co-host, James. Haven't done it in a while. Here it is. So let's look at it. Let's look at the facts. We're going to start with who I'm benching first. And that is the 1990s playmaker, Michael Irvin. Now, I know what you're thinking. I'm, you know, generational bias, decade bias. I'm used to the other two guys more. Yeah, I get it. Irvin was despised by fan bases. So much so that when he hurt his neck and was unconscious on the turf in Philadelphia, fans cheered. It was like the end of his career. Fans cheered. That's how much no everybody disliked him. And I get it. He was a very good wide receiver. But when you're talking about full-on divas, as much of a diva as he was, he doesn't compare to the other two that we're going to talk about. Yes, he had a lot of off-field issues. He had drug issues that you had to deal with. But that was, again, off-field stuff. On the field, in the team, you know, facility, all those different things, he wasn't a disruptor. Granted, he dubs himself the playmaker. It wasn't a nickname anybody else gave to him. 
He gave it to himself. So, you know, that definitely gave him a push, a push out a boost. But, like, it just wasn't disrupting enough for me to go, you know what? That's definitely a pushing for number one spot material. Now, up until a few years ago, Antonio Brown probably wouldn't have been on this list. You would have had, like, Chad Ochocinco and Randy Moss and Keyshawn Johnson, all runner-ups. You know, all great diva wide receivers. Irvin, though, with his drug issues, with, you know, just how he was hated on the field and what he did on the field and how he was perceived. How he was trying to be this big star from the U. He was at the U in the heyday. He was on America's team in its heyday. He was, you know, doing all the sorts of different things off the field, causing issues. But you know what? You're still getting cut. Still getting cut, Michael. My bench, though, is Antonio Brown. Now, clearly that means Terrell Owens ones. We will get to that. But Antonio Brown gets the bench because of where he is at right now. He could definitely push for that number one spot. But right now, today, he is my bench player. Think about what he's just done in the past year. He has forced his way off a team after basically trying to, you know, disrupt the whole team and its situation. He accused Big Ben of things. He's accused Juju, Mike Tomlin of all these different issues, causing all that. Didn't want to be in Pittsburgh anymore. Didn't feel comfortable in Pittsburgh anymore. Wanted to get out. Wanted to get away from a Hall of Fame quarterback, a team with a legitimate playoff shot every single year. And he ends up in Oakland. And he seems happy about it. Great. But diva move number one. Forcing your way out of a situation you don't want to be in anymore because you can. Just because. Like, take away the showing up in fancy cars and all these different things. It was just how it was. He forced his way out. That's a diva move. Then, you get to Oakland. You say, start of a new life, start of a new career, start of a new me. What do you do? You're late to your press conference. You make them wait for you. It's another diva move right there. Then, the past two weeks alone, it's come out that he has frostbite because he didn't wear protective footwear or he chose not to. He stayed in the cryotherapy too long, all these different things. You're causing more attention to yourself, causing more attention to your team. That's unnecessary, especially when they're already on hard knocks. And then last, the helmet issue, saying you might retire. It's a threat you've made before. It's partly how you got out of Pittsburgh because you basically said, I just won't play. Diva. You've, there's been rumors, you know, past in the years of not getting enough touches on the in the game, throwing tantrums on the sideline. That's as big of a diva move as you can get as a wide receiver. But you are not the number one guy. You are not who I am starting on my wide receiver diva team. There is a number one who is above all else, and if you say otherwise, you're crazy. And that is Terrell Owens. Now just think about this. Terrell Owens has played, you know, many years in this league, was very successful, put up stats to make him probably a top three wide receiver all time when you look at yards and everything. But he is also the biggest and best known diva and poison in this league that is ever seen. Think about it this way. You hear Terrell Owens, what's one of the first things you think of? I can name three things. Three things immediately pop into my head when I hear the name Terrell Owens. One, 
throwing popcorn in his face during an NFL game to celebrate a touchdown. Two, doing bench press in his driveway when he was holding out, trying to figure out where he's going to play. And crying because that's his quarterback. That's his man. That's his quarterback. You don't talk about my quarterback like that. Those are diva moves. Yeah, you can say the last one. He's being supportive of a teammate. But overall, diva move. Now, don't even forget all these other things he did. He constantly questioned his coach, Steve Mariucci, called his quarterback, Jeff Garcia, not gracefully, gay to the media. Things that you just don't do. Uh, He was traded. He failed to report to the Ravens when he got traded there. So he ended up in Philadelphia after that because the trade fell through. Even when he succeeded in Philadelphia, he just couldn't get on the same page as Donovan McNabb. And you know, that happens. Quarterback and wide receivers don't always have to necessarily agree on everything. But it got to the point where Owens was quoted as wanting to get Brett Favre to Philadelphia, even with McNabb still at the helm. He was suspended for those comments and for nearly holding out that next year. He later took shots at the Eagles for not celebrating his 100th career reception. So, like, just all these things. Then, you know, he goes and ends up going to Dallas. He had, he overdosed and nearly killed himself, which, you know, that was a huge issue. People thought, oh, my God, is he trying to kill himself? And it was like, no, he just accidentally did it. He had injury concerns. He just, you know, just all these different things. T.O. was his own show. T.O. could have had a whole class on what not to do as a wide receiver in the NFL. There will never be another guy that gets to the level that Terrell Owens did. And don't forget, he did a lot of this before social media. Just imagine if he had the power of social media like Antonio Brown does now. Just think about it. It is nuts to think about what Terrell Owens' magnitude of diva levels he could have gotten to if he had social media at his hands. And that is why he is my number one start diva wide receiver. Give me somebody that you think was a bigger diva than Terrell Owens. You cannot. You can't tell me Odell Beckham Jr. yelling at a fan, being on a boat, all these different things. Keyshawn Johnson with all his issues that he had. Chad Ochocinco for just basically making everything a spectacle, whether it was on the field or off the field. Terrell Owens is the wide receiver diva king. It's why he still, as to this day, his Hall of Fame ceremony, he was still a diva because he felt spited and didn't think that they treated him fairly with getting into the Hall of Fame. So he didn't do the Hall of Fame ceremony. He did his own. He was a diva through and through up until the day he got enshrined in the Hall of Fame. And that is why he is the start of my start. Bench cut, diva wide receivers. It's as simple as that, people. It's as simple as that. So thanks, Terrell, for being such a diva. I appreciate talking about how terrible of a teammate and person you were outside of the fact that you had amazing ability to catch a football. All right, so besides that, Let's get into some other NFL talk, away from the diva stuff. And it's the Dallas Cowboys and literally all their contract situations. So we already know that Zeke wasn't happy with his contract. Now we move on to Dak Prescott. The apparently in his mind, 
$40 million a year man. What? I'm sorry. I don't think that was... That wasn't dramatic enough for what he's asking for. What? That was better. Dak. $40 million? For you? No. You were not a $40 million a year type quarterback. Now I get, you know, salary cap is changing. All these different things are moving up. There's going to be a little more money to play with. But for you, Dak, you are not a $40 million a year quarterback. You know who's a $40 million a year quarterback? Aaron Rodgers. Tom Brady. You know what they have in common? Super Bowls. Drew Brees. Super Bowl. Those guys can be worth $40 million. And they're not even worth $40 million. Why? Because you are putting handcuffs on your team taking that much money a year. Look at what the Eagles just did with Carson Wentz, who many compare to you. Same draft year, same division, head-to-head matchups, all these different things. That, that's who they like to compare you to the most, right? Carson Wentz. Carson just took a very team-friendly deal. Why? He doesn't want to handcuff his team going in the future. Yes, he had injury issues. Yes, you're very consistent. You haven't missed a game. The difference? He understands that, hey, I have an injury history. I know I'm not, you know, the guy in the league at quarterback, but I'm one of the guys. Dak, you're not even one of the guys. You're a top 15 quarterback, sure. We'll give you that right now. Why? Because you don't make too many mistakes. You can use your feet and make some plays. But overall, you are not a franchise quarterback that they need to pay that much money to. Andrew Luck should get more than you. Russell Wilson should get more than you. Matt Ryan, Ben Roethlisberger, all these guys who would not make that much money are better than you. Don't make as much as you're asking for. Like what what have you done to think you're worth you turn down 30 million dollars a year. Think about that. 30 million dollars a year. Because you said it wasn't enough. Now you do understand there are other guys on your team, right? You do understand that your number one wide receiver who you utilized to the utmost capacity last year in Amari Cooper, he needs to get paid too. Do you want somebody in the backfield that can pass block for you? That can have a a little out route that you can dump off to because you sure love doing it to Zeke all these years. How about him getting his money? When's he going to get his? If you're taking all the money from everybody, you're not leaving any room for people to build if you get $40 million a year. It's just, it's just not happening. Because, well, if you do that, $40 million, it's a huge chunk of a team. That's like over, I think, salary caps around 130 140 I forget exactly what it is for football. But you'd be taking like 25% of your team's salary cap. That's ridiculous. Just to put it in perspective this year, you have Stafford, Andrew Luck, Kirk Cousins, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Roethlisberger Manning, Cam, Phillip Rivers, Drew Brees, Derek Carr, Tom Brady, 
All these guys making $20 million or more, the most being $29.5 million. And you're going to sit there, look at the Cowboys, their front office, Jerry Jones, who's had the faith in you these few years, and say, no, $30 million is not enough. I want $40 million. Dak, buddy, pal, break 4,000 yards in a season passing. Throw more than 22 touchdowns like you did last year. Do more, and maybe you'll get paid more. Because right now, you've never broken 23 touchdowns in a season. And, I mean, can you really be an elite quarterback if you can't even get around 30 touchdowns? Because you know who's gotten 30 touchdowns before. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Patrick Mahomes, who is worth $40 million compared to you because of what he can do. Because, I mean, just... It's just not great, Dak. Your stats just aren't... They're not popping out at anybody. Yeah, you're young. Yeah, you're pretty good. But I have just named a whole bunch of guys who are better than you and do not ask for $40 million. Do you forget you need a defense? Do you forget you need offensive linemen? Do you think there's literally you and two other guys on this field? Because guess what? Even if you think that, Those guys can't get paid if you take that money. Do you forget that, Dak? Do you forget it's a team sport? I understand you're a quarterback. I understand you're the big dog because quarterback is above all else. But guess what? Quarterback's only as good if he actually has good players on the outside, good players on the inside, good players on the other side of the ball to get him that ball back. Think Tom Brady can win Super Bowls if the defense gives up 50 points? Clearly not. We saw it against the Eagles. Do you think Tom Brady can win without decent wide receivers? He's had Edelman. He's had Randy Moss. He's had Gronk. Like, you got to have talent. Now you get talent, you have money. You know what happens when you take the money away? The talent goes away. I get it's the NFL. There should be plenty of talent. But you've seen... You've seen when you don't have the ability to pay guys or, you know, draft really good players, what happens? Look at the Giants. Sorry, Giants fans. Look at the Browns all these years. Look at the Bengals. Look at all these teams that have had stretch runs of being either, you know, pretty productive or just runs of terrible, always terrible, like the Browns. The Bengals have always kind of been a medium, middle-of-the-road type team. But lately, not so much. They've been been stinking because they just don't know how to manage their team. What do you think is going to happen if you take all the money from Jerry? He can manage a team, but he can only manage it so well. I know Jerry's a wheeler and dealer. He got you Amari, though, and that helped you a lot. Jason Witten's back. Oh, great. How about this? Instead of $40 million, how about you just play with a four-year-old tight end? Does that sound fair? Just ridiculous. I don't know what is going on in Dallas. I don't know what's in the water in Dallas because Zeke thinks he needs to get more money at with two years left on his contract. I could see him holding out next year, but two years in advance is kind of ridiculous. Dak thinks he's worth four. I, like, to skip Bayless, go and talk to the guys and go, all right, this is what's going to make Undisputed fantastic. 
Now do that. Like, did they go to the school of Antonio Brown and Terrell Owens? Like, these are just ridiculous requests these guys are making. Zeke, I can actually understand better than Dak because running backs average two and a half years in the league. Running backs essentially get driven into the ground cheap, and then when it's finally their payday, teams go, no, we're not going to pay you and draft a rookie. Now, obviously, there's a few elite talents that that won't happen to. You have Todd Gurley. You have Le'Veon Bell now. You have Frank Gore, who's just an everlasting fountain of youth for running backs. And Zeke, yeah, Zeke's probably going to be one of those guys. But he at least has another year until he probably can say, hey, pay me like those guys. You got drafted in the first round. You get a five-year contract. That's the rules. Fight the last year. I get you're only getting like three-point-something million this year. You know you're going to get driven into the ground. But Zeke, you're a talent. You're a special talent. You're like an Adrian Peterson. You're like a Frank Gore. You're like these guys who have been around for a while. You will get your money. If not in Dallas, somewhere else. So you know what, Dak? Let them take care of Zeke. I don't even know. I don't even know what I'm saying. At this point, I'm confused. I don't know who should get taken care of when. Deal with Dak and Zeke next year. I mean, they're clearly going to have to deal with both this year. But right now, it's not looking good for America's team. I can tell you that much. And Dak, you need to figure it out. Take the $30 million a year. Give your team a chance. You're not even worth $30 million a year. Realize you're worth and that you're getting overpaid. And take the deal. It's really that simple. I know I say it a lot, but it is. Take the deal, Dak. $30 million a year. You... There was no chance coming out of college you thought you were ever getting that. Don't get greedy. I know people go, well, you put in what you think you're worth, and then you just kind of negotiate back and forth. No. He went in with a crazy number, and they said, eat it. Like, not happening. So we'll see what happens. I'm sure there'll be an update next week because so far this has been the longest-running part of the preseason. What's happening in Dallas? All right, so besides the NFL... We're going to take another quick break because even though the NFL is approaching, get your money together. Wait for the regular season and go to my bookie. Check it out. Ever want to make a wager but don't know where? Go to my bookie. Use promo code 12OUNSPORTS to get 100% deposit bonus up to $1,000. Listen to all our gambling shows, then put that knowledge to practice on my bookie. Make sure to use the promo code 12OUNSPORTS to get the bonus. You can find their banners and links to, on every page of our website at www.12ounceSportsRadio.com or go to mybookie.ag. All right, and last we're going to talk about a little college football. And I know you're thinking, are we going to talk about Alabama, Clemson, how Notre Dame's overranked once again? You know, how Tate Martell transferred, probably going to transfer again because. He can't win a starting job no matter where he is. But no, I'm not going to talk about any of that. Why? Because we're not in the full swing of college football. We're not in that prime college football season yet. That's like a week or so away. Games start next week. Not big games, but games start next week. No, I'm going to talk to you about Dartmouth College, University, whatever it is, the Ivy League school. And I know you're asking why. Why are we talking about them? Well, I'm going to tell you why. It's not going to take very long. I just found it kind of interesting. It's because Coach Buddy Tevins came up with an idea of, hey, 
maybe let's not let everybody hit each other so much during practice. And because of that, he figured he could save a kid a few thousand hits in his career. If one of those kids goes on to the NFL, he gets a little extra time, you know, have his body rest up. He's only getting hit in games at least for a few years while he's in college before he enters the pros, where it's a lot more contact. It's a smart move. He's like, I can save a kid a few thousand hits. His other thought behind this was maybe it'll slow down injuries. It was around when the CTE issues were really big in the NFL. And he was like, maybe this will help out in all of that. So they came up with a way to practice without tackling and hitting each other. Yeah, you have the dummies and everything like that. But he took it a step further. And over the years, he developed a robot that they could tackle, could move, gets up to 18 miles per hour. Defensive guys hit it. You can use it on offensive sets. You can do it for all these different things. But it cut down on how much guys had to hit each other. And what did it do? You're like, okay, well, what's the purpose? Well, it cut down on injuries by 80% in that first year. 56% in concussions went down, and it's just stayed low ever since. He's done a very good job of keeping his guys healthy, which is kind of key in football. And because of this, because of the fact that they don't have to worry about hitting each other and getting as beat up, they're winning since 2014 76% of their games. Now, he's taken it a step further in the past year or so by having his quarterbacks use virtual reality instead of stepping onto the field. It allows them to see plays clear. You can kind of get developed. You still get the feel of guys coming at you. You still have to avoid. You still have to look. You still have to make the reads. But it also allows them to also not have to worry about getting hit, accidental hits, all these different things. It's pretty smart. I mean, at least in my mind. It's something I think all colleges should start doing. I mean, Texas and Notre Dame already have the tackling dummies. Even some professional teams do. But, I mean, if we can get these guys to get less hits on their body, they might be able to have better careers. They might be able to have healthier careers post their, you know, career life. Think about all these guys in retirement that have all these achy bodies and things like that. Maybe if we can take a little bit of that away, isn't it worth it? It's just a thought. I found it interesting enough to mention it. I thought it was a good idea. Just in general, think about how much the injuries go down, the concussions go down. If you can even lower that a little bit throughout college football entirely, you've given guys who aren't going to make it to the NFL a better life post-college, and you have guys going into the NFL a better chance at having a post-career life. So that's just the last thing I wanted to touch on. We will get into college football. Don't you worry. And as I said earlier about Notre Dame being overrated, I'm a Notre Dame fan. Please don't hate me. But I expect to either do a lot of trash talking this year or hearing a lot of trash talk from everybody else. So I'm fully ready for college football to be here. And also the NFL. We're going to do a little fantasy advice. We're going to have it all come September. whole different show is going to be coming out. New people, new voices. You're going to love it. But that's going to wrap it up for this week. That's all I got to say. I covered the MLB. I covered the NFL. What more do you want from me? I want you to have a good weekend. And I hope to hear your stance on sports pretty soon. Again, you can find me on Twitter at SportsDance underscore. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at the SportsDance. You know, tell me what your thoughts are. It doesn't matter what the sport, I'll talk about it. You want to talk cricket? I'll look it up. But I'm here for you. I want to hear your stance. I'm just like everybody else. I'm just a common sports guy that likes to give my stance. But so whatever you have going on this weekend, enjoy it. Whether it's work, whether it's hanging out with friends, whether it's just doing something by yourself. Have a good time. Enjoy it. I'll catch you all next week. Hopefully we'll get some big stories coming up. Maybe Antonio Brown will do something else weird. Who knows? It's a huge possibility with that guy. 
But that's all for now. Hope you guys, like I said, have a good weekend. Hope you enjoyed the show today. And hope to hear from everybody soon. But until then, I'm Greg, and this has been my stance on sports. Have a good one. The Sports Sports Dance. Dance.